Hello, podcast fam, and welcome to episode 52 of the Yours Truly podcast. 52 episodes means we have been at this for 52 weeks because one episode a week, 52 episodes means 52 weeks. I'm not that great with numbers, aka why I do intuitive eating or one of the many reasons, but I do know that 52 episodes is 52 weeks, and 52 weeks makes one full year. If you would have told me a year ago that the podcast would be what it is now and I would have had the opportunity to connect with so many amazing guests, to integrate the goal-slaying community on here, to even bring some of my individual one-on-one clients on here, I honestly don't know if I would have believed you. So something you may not know about me, maybe anyone who listens back, maybe you knew me in like middle school or elementary school or high school, you know this and you would believe me, but I am so real when I say that I was so shy as a kid. I never spoke to anyone. I never wanted to raise my hand in class, let alone speak for 30 to 45 minutes on a subject. So this podcast has completely blown me away. It has pushed me outside of my comfort zone. It has given me so many wonderful opportunities to connect with like-minded individuals, to highlight my clients' progress and success. And I can't thank you enough, whoever is listening, for tuning into the podcast week after week, for supporting us, for leaving ratings and reviews, and for really helping to make this one of my favorite parts of what I do in my business. I love bringing free value and content to you guys, and I'm really learning as I have grown to love podcasts more and more that audio formats is one of the best ways to do that. Because Who doesn't like to listen to something when they're washing the dishes or walking their dog or driving their car? It really is such a great way to find content and to absorb information around topics that you really care about. So I'm assuming if you are here for episode 52, one of those topics that you really care about is anything and everything intuitive eating and healing your relationship with food. So that's what we are going to talk about on this podcast as I have a really awesome guest on. His name is Nathan Baldwin. He's a fellow intuitive eating dietitian, Hayes dietitian, and he is located very, very far away from where I live. He lives in Australia. So when we recorded this episode, you'll hear us kind of here in the beginning talking about how it was 6 p.m. where I live, but it was 8 in the morning where he lives the total next day. So things like the podcast, things like Instagram, again, I couldn't be more grateful that they give me the opportunity to come into contact and have an excuse to have a discussion on something that we both really care about and and bring value to you in that way. So before I get any farther down that rabbit hole of introducing Nathan and everything that he does, you know what we have to do first here on the Yours Truly podcast is we have to open up with the Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. So this week, this little segment of the podcast is going to be a little bit different because I have something totally new and completely different going on in my Facebook group right now. So I was thinking a couple evenings ago, how can I possibly drive more connection, more support, and more morale, I guess I can use that word, in taking down diet culture in the Facebook community. Because as I will describe here, as I will extend to you the invitation to come join us, it is a like-minded group of individuals who come together in this group, whether they're working with me one-on-one, or whether they just want to receive more information, more tips, more support around their own intuitive eating journey and their own journey to take down diet culture. So I was like, how can I drive even more connection? in this already super supportive community. So I came up with the idea of why don't we do a challenge? And so often when we're living in diet culture, it's really the water that we swim in. When I hear the word challenge, I think of something really negative. So I think of a 30-day air quote slim down challenge or a diet challenge of some sort or maybe a step challenge, which they may have good intention, but we all know that those challenges can definitely lead us down the road of negative health behaviors, of obsessive health behaviors that at the end of the day, they're not really that healthy. So I said, 
said, okay, how can I maybe reframe this typical connotation of a challenge and make it something that we can all bond together over the anti-diet message or the intuitive eating message? So I have called this challenge the Down with Diet Culture Challenge. I feel like when I say that, I like have to raise my arms and shout it from the rooftops because as a community, we are coming together in support of one another to take down diet culture individually in our own lives by taking little steps every single day that may be a little bit scary, that may be really challenging if we've been living with these rules for a long time, but by sharing these posts in the community and by letting people know, hey, this is what I'm working on, this is how I am improving my health, not only for the next 30 days, but for the rest of my life, it can bring a community together. So in the time that I have interned Introduced. I don't even know what that word is. How about introduced? I think I just combined the word introduced and announced into intranounced. But in the time that I have introduced this challenge to my Facebook community, I am recording this on a Monday. I introduced it about four days ago on a Thursday. We already have about 40 posts and growing already in this Facebook community. So when I first introduced this, I had no idea that my goal slayers were going to take it and run with it like they have, but it is such a cool thing. So I'm going to feature a couple of posts that I have really found so much joy and they've brought such a smile to my face in in reading them. And to any of my goal slayers listening, I would read every single one of the posts if I had like three hours to do a podcast right now, but for the sake of your attention span and my own speaking voice, I'm just going to scroll down the community and read a couple of posts that have really stuck out to me. So the first one comes from a goal slayer and she starts with hashtag down with diet culture. This is what they have to do to enter into the challenge. So she writes, so I would have never had the guts to do this until this challenge came along. Thank you for encouraging us with this challenge. Today, I ditched diet culture by removing the scale from my bedroom and ultimately from my home entirely. It terrifies me, but I'm feeling so strong. And then the picture that she has included with this is a picture of a, of a floor space that is empty with nothing there. And she has a little bit of text written. She probably made this in Instagram or Snapchat that says over top of that place where the scale would be, it writes, my scale would lie here until I got rid of it today. So that is one post of someone ditching diet culture by taking that scale or something that was introducing a lot of negativity and unhelpful things really into her life and getting that away from her space so she can focus on nourishing her body, not restricting or depriving it. Another one reads, I spent this beautiful summer day by the pool with friends. I had wood oven pizza and veggies and some wonderful summer drinks. No guilt. Diet culture would say that now I need to punish my body, exercise, exercise, exercise. But instead, I want to continue to enjoy this beautiful summer day by moving freely in a way that makes me happy. Out enjoying a beautiful evening stroll. Hashtag down with diet culture. And she has a photo included here of what looks to be a really scenic trail that is overlooking a river. Another goal slayer writes, this is actually one of my one-on-one clients, he writes, What do you do on Sundays when you live in California and it's over 100 degrees? Well, either you stay inside or you find a pool. I'll admit it, I've used the pool a few times living in this apartment complex. But hanging out by the pool usually turned into dipping my feet in, which then turned into me trying to swim laps. But not today. You all know that I struggle to take rest days. What does diet culture tell you? Rest is for the weak, no pain, no gain, or insert whatever you really want here. Usually, my rest days turn into hours of walking or swimming laps or doing some kind of active recovery. But today, my butt was planted directly in that chair, I grabbed a nice book, and I enjoyed every part of my afternoon. More importantly, I challenged myself by taking a full rest day. Hashtag down with diet culture, hashtag move freely, parentheses, or don't. And the last one that I want to feature from one of my goal slayers today, I have to find it. I have so many things in here. I have to scroll all the way to the top, but I know it's in here. 
Here it is. Hashtag down with diet culture. She writes, I ordered something that I didn't know the calories for. Diet culture had me believing that I needed a nutrition label for everything that I ate, but I trust that my body can figure out how to use the nutrients in this meal without my mental calculations of does it fit or does it not fit based on calories and macros. Anything fits, really. My body instinctively knows what to do with the food that I give it. I'm not going to lie, the absence of calories on the menu is still messing with my head, but I enjoyed this smoothie bowl, and now I feel full and energized, and that's really what matters. So again, I could go on for hours reading some of the awesome posts that has come from this Down With Diet Culture Challenge in the Facebook community, but what I am trying to get across to you here is we have something really great going. We can all agree that challenging the rules that diet culture has taught you, again, if you've been living with them for years, for months, however long it has been for you, it's really hard to go at that alone. So I encourage people to go at that with whatever support you can get, the more support, the better. One way of support being this free private Facebook community that I have called the Yours Truly Goal Slayer. So if you've been on the podcast before, odds are you're probably already in this community because I talk about it a lot. But if you're still listening to the pod, you're still coming back week after week, and you are not in this community yet, here's your open invitation to come and join us. You can partake in this challenge, which it only runs until this upcoming Friday, which is like the 26th, I believe, of July as I'm recording this. So you can come, you can join us. Um, There is a little prize for the winner. I won't tell you what that is here, but if you come to our community, you will figure out what the super top secret amazing prize is. But even if you want to come to this community to just read these posts, to absorb this information, because support is what matters, but also the education in figuring out what other people are doing on their journey can really help you to get a better picture of where you still need to improve your own relationship with food, movement, and your own body. So the main way that you can come join us in this community is by going to Facebook and searching the Yours Truly Goal Slayers. You can type that in the search bar. A private group will come up. You will likely see my face that is tied with it. It is a bright pink banner on it, the Yours Truly Goal Slayers. You can request to join this private community. When you submit that request, I will get a notification and I will private message you the link to the application. The application is nothing scary. It's nothing intimidating. It's really just so that I can get to know you, what you need help with, and how to best contact you. So your email, kind of things like that. So that is one way. The other way that you can find this community is if you find me on Instagram at Claire Tuning, click the link in my bio, and in that drop-down menu, it will have an option for the free private Facebook community. When you click on that, again, it will take you directly to the application, and once you submit that, I will reach out with next steps to join. So Without further ado, let's get on to the rest of the episode featuring my good friend, my fellow dietitian, Nathan Baldwin, who, like I said, runs his private virtual practice. So he sees clients just as I do via telehealth, but he runs his out of Australia, which you'll see here in the episode that it's not only cool to connect with a practitioner who has similar values, a similar approach to nutrition, but I also kind of geek out over his accent because it is so unlike anything that I see at least personally, day-to-day here living in the States. So before we get to that episode, I do want to do a quick side note to a specific word or phrase that you are going to hear me use in this episode. So as Nathan and I are talking, we talk about a lot of different things here in this episode. We talk about what is intuitive eating and what is not intuitive eating or how not to get duped by what we're calling the air quote intuitive eating diet. We talk about the importance of moving past the scale and kind of untangling the idea that your health is tied to a specific number. And in this conversation, I use a two word phrase that is kind of gaining a lot of traction out there nowadays 
is, and I feel like has a lot of misunderstandings and misinterpretations. So this phrase that I use, it's called thin privilege. So before we even get into this episode, I want to take a brief moment to just chat about what I mean when I say the word thin privilege so that you have a better understanding at what I'm speaking about or what I'm trying to get to, and you don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say. So this is a concept that I have never talked about here on the Yours Truly podcast because if I'm being totally honest with you, it was a topic that was brought to my attention a couple of months ago, and it has taken me a fair amount of time to fully wrap my head around what is meant by one having thin privilege. When I first heard this word or this phrase a couple of months ago, again, to be totally honest with you, I felt a little bit offended. And why I want to explain this to you guys is because I don't want you feeling offended walking away from this episode because I truly and genuinely feel that when we have to take offense to a certain statement or when we have a gut reaction that makes us uncomfortable, that probably means there's a little bit more digging and a little bit more understanding that we need to do on our part. So back a couple of months ago when I heard this phrase and I personally got uncomfortable or offended, that just was kind of a red flag for me to say, hey, Claire, you need to do a little bit more research into this topic. You need to have more conversations around it so that you can speak more confidently and clearly about what this phrase even means. So I think one of the main reasons that I took offense to this statement when I first heard it is because I really misunderstood where the statement was coming from. I knew it was used in the context of the health at every size or the body positive movement. So what I couldn't quite wrap my brain around is why is someone calling a certain body type privileged if the really the root to their message is all bodies matter, all bodies are good bodies, and no one body is better or worse than the other. So I had a really hard time understanding why we were using the word privilege to describe a certain body type if the root of the message was really all bodies are good bodies. Do you know what I mean? So there was kind of a misunderstanding in that way. I thought that by calling someone who lived in a thinner body privilege, that that meant all of their personal struggles didn't matter, or we were negating all of those personal struggles, and that we weren't really looking at the full person. But in reality, as I've come to understand more about what this statement actually means, it's not meant to be offensive. It does not negate any one person's personal personal struggles because I, in saying that I have thin privilege, meaning I, as a human being, I've always lived in what appears to the outside world as a smaller body or a body that is more socially accepted by our beauty standards, by our diet culture, whatever it may be. So in saying that I have air quote thin privilege, it's not me saying that I've never struggled with my own body or I've never struggled to nourish my body or I've never lived with diet rules because I have, and that is part of the reason why I do the work that I do. Believe me when I say I've had my own fair share of not enjoying what I see when I look in the mirror, of talking negatively to myself. So when you hear someone say the words thin privilege, it is not negating one's personal struggle. It is not saying that one is better off by living in a certain body. It simply means that it's more of the societal construct that we live in. In living in a smaller body, it's not hard to see that our world is kind of engineered to prefer smaller bodies to larger bodies. So what the idea of thin privilege really means is when I or when anyone who naturally lives in a smaller body goes out into the world, we are privileged to not have to worry about if the size of clothes that we wear will be in the department store. We are privileged to not have to worry about, am I going to have a seat in the airplane or am I going to have to get a seatbelt extender? We have the privilege of not venturing out into our daily lives and receiving berating or negative unsolicited comments about our body. We have the privilege of going into the doctor's office with something like, I don't know, a broken finger and not receiving any comments about our weight. Like true story here, I have gone into my 
physician's office before and I have gotten the comment of oh you must be a runner or oh you must be super active again making an assumption based on my body size that I must be some sort of air quote healthy because I look a certain way but the reality of it is I hate running I am not a runner and in any extent of the mean so all I'm trying to say here is when we say the word thin privilege we're not saying anyone is better off than the other we're not negating personal struggle struggle, we're simply saying the world that we live in prefers a certain body type or looks more favorably upon a certain body type. And because I live in a smaller body myself, I can really navigate the world without a lot of weight stigma being directed my way, without having to receive those unsolicited comments. So the big thing to understand about this is, is thin privilege isn't necessarily something that you choose, that you decide to to have. It is more something that you are kind of just born into. Because what we have talked about here on prior episodes is that we are not fully responsible for how we show up physically in the world. What we eat or what we don't eat or how we do or don't move our bodies really only has a certain amount of impact on how we show up physically, aka our body size. Things like our genes, our genetic code, our socioeconomic status, maybe the food that we even have access to in our daily life in reality plays a way bigger role in how we show up physically in the world. So by someone living in a smaller body, they may not necessarily choose to live that way, just as someone in a larger body may not choose to live that way either. We can both pursue healthy behaviors, we can both pursue healthy practices, but that does not mean we are all going to look similarly to one another. So I know I'm really going down this rabbit hole here, but the last thing that I want to say with thin privilege is to anyone struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder. Hearing the words thin privilege may be especially triggering because you don't choose to have an eating disorder. You don't choose to think this way around food. And I want to be super compassionate and knowledgeable on that subject, that by really restricting food intake, by over-exercising, by binging, by purging, anything that may be keeping you in that smaller body size, I fully realize that that is not a choice, that is not something that we want to perpetuate, and that is not a privilege. So I really want you to understand if you're hearing this message and you may be struggling with some sort of disordered eating or an eating disorder, please do not take offense to the words thin privilege because that is not directed at you specifically saying, oh, you choose to be that way or you're so lucky to live in that body because I fully understand that is not the context, but rather zoom out and when you hear those words, think about it in the context of society and how it really is easier for a smaller bodied person to not receive that weight stigma or to operate a little bit more easily and naturally without extra thought in the world, again, because of the messed up way our society is structured. So I will stop going down the rabbit hole of what thin privilege means, but when that came out of my mouth and I was talking to Nathan, I really did think that it elicited a little bit of an explanation so that everyone would have a little bit of a better understanding at what that meant. And if you're hearing these words, and this is a lot to wrap your head around, if you're having trouble understanding just kind of the rabbit hole that I'm going down, know that you're not alone. And this was me for many months, and I am still trying to wrap my head around this. So if you know you took offense to that, if it's not something that you understand, I really and genuinely urge you to just look a little bit more into articles on the subject, maybe rewind the podcast and listen a little bit more because again, it is not something that you choose to have. It's something that you simply have. And by me being a thinner bodied individual, I fully recognize that I may not know exactly to the T what some of my clients may struggle with, and that's okay because what I do, my body size does not qualify me to do that, if that makes sense. It's my experience. It's the empathy. It's the desire to help people live a life unchained by these diet rules. So we realize that we can all pursue health. We can all pursue positive, healthy behaviors untangled from this 
conversation of weight, and we all have equal right to choosing to pursue or even not to pursue health. So I hope that makes sense. I hope I didn't just word jumble everywhere, but without further ado, here is my conversation with Nathan Baldwin, the amazing dietitian from Australia himself who focuses on intuitive eating, health at every size, and body positivity. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Yours Julie podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. Nathan, welcome to the Yours Truly podcast from a time zone that is very, very far away from where I am right now. So before you even introduce yourself, why don't you say where you are and maybe people will be able to kind of hear it in your voice too, but what time is it too where you are? Um, I'm from Brisbane, Australia, so near the Gold Coast if anyone knows where that is and it's 8 15 a.m here and i think it's getting towards the end of your day so yes quite a difference yeah for for context i it's 6 15 p.m my time 8 15 yours so we're really kind of working at opposite end of the globe of the globe here but for anybody who doesn't know you doesn't know your content or what you do why don't you just give a little brief introduction into who you are and you're a dietitian of course but maybe what side of the dietetics field or the nutrition field that you work in yeah sure um so i'm a non-diet uh health at every size and intuitive eating dietitian um, it's a little bit different, but Claire and I are obviously both intuitive eating dietitians. Um, and I've been working in this space for about a year now. Um, and the great thing is I haven't always been here. So I've got a good uh, perspective on both sides of dietetics because originally I was working in the diet space. Um, but very glad to have made the change and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that today. Yeah, we will. And you're setting me up like a bowling pin to roll right into my next question. So whenever I come into contact with a fellow non-diet aligned registered dietitian or someone who practices in more of the intuitive eating health at every size space, I'm always very curious as to how you got to this place, because I think we can both agree that it's not necessarily the version of nutrition that we're taught in school. I know our schooling was a little bit different, me being in the States and you being in Australia, but we can kind of agree that it wasn't necessarily the main message that was preached. So what was it for you? You said very briefly that you weren't always in this space and you used to practice more in the diet realm. So what was that transition like for you and kind of what triggered that transition? Yeah, so I mean, it was a long transition, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I started out, um, yeah, working in the diet space, obviously. And where I started out, um, I had a lot of practice implementing things like um, motivational interviewing. And that was my favorite part of that job because I really got to talk to people and understand where they're coming from and change your behaviors just from conversation rather than focusing on a number. So that was really, really important. But even within that job, I still saw a big focus on their weight. And while I saw this, these great changes when we were having these deep, meaningful conversations, uh, when the focus did shift back to weight, I could see things just weren't the same. And while people would be happy short term, every single person that I saw, whether it was my clients or my boss's clients or his old clients that would be returning, um, nothing ever stuck for people long term. They always use the phrase, you know, I've fallen off the bandwagon and they'd always really focus blame on themselves. And I didn't really know it at the time, but that was really the catalyst for me to start, I mean, critically thinking about, well, I mean, is this all it's cracked up to be? Um, so that was my first job out of university. And then I started working um, with a veterans nutrition company. Um, and that was 
really solely about weight loss. That yeah. was re- really the only focus of what we did there. Um, and everything was very short and sharp, very directive, uh, very prescriptive. Um, and I mean, I saw the same thing again with these um, veterans, but I suppose in a much more uh, highlighted way that you, know, you can just focus on weight loss, but it doesn't improve people's qualities of life. Um, we'd be trying to get the calories down and they'd be telling me things like, um, you know, but I got to enjoy myself too. Sometimes they would agree to do the, the goals that we had to drop their calories down, but inevitably they didn't actually do it. That's because they didn't want to. And even with the people who whose weight did drop down, I saw their body image really decline as well. Um, and I saw a really great quote that still sticks with me. It's uh, when you're 80 years old, you don't want to be the person in the old folks home that's afraid to eat cake because it's going to make you fat. Um, so, I mean, that was a big catalyst for me. I started by doing the, um, yeah, the non-diet dietitians workshop by Fiona Willer and Fiona Sutherland. I'm not sure yep. if you're familiar with yep. them. I'm familiar. Yep. Um, so they're absolutely fantastic. Um, I started doing some more counseling courses and yeah, when I finished the workshop with the two Fiona's, that's when I kind of made my mind up. I saw the evidence to see that, well, 90% of diets fail within two to five years. Um, I mean, who wants that kind of success rate? Um, but also, yeah, as I said, the harm that they do to relationships with food and body image. And I mean, for me, looking at what I was doing, um, thankfully, it was an easy enough step. I wasn't too wrapped up in it all where I could say, like, this isn't what I want to do anymore. And I want to do things differently. Yeah. Something that I always say is I'm really not on board to preach something with only like a five to 10% success rate. Like I want to help my clients achieve another version of health, a truer version of health. That's actually going to last them for longer than 30 days, a year, five years, whatever it may be. So it really sounds like with you in your personal story, you had some up close and personal experience with seeing how the pure weight loss approach wasn't necessarily beneficial for people's physical or mental health in the long run. And it's easier for you to see that because you've worked with multiple clients and you have multiple instances. But I think we can kind of agree both being individuals who work one-on-one with clients that our clients may not see it this way because the the fact fact of the matter is, is we all swim in diet culture. Like it's the water we swim in. It's the world that we live in where we are taught, you know, your weight dictates your health. You have to track these measures and you have to put your level of success in your health journey on these metrics that we even as dietitians are taught to be like the end all be all of health. So what do you say? And I'm kind of getting more pointed towards the client point of view, or maybe people who are listening to the podcast What do you maybe say to someone who comes to you and maybe people who are listening can resonate and they say, you know, everything that I read from your social media or that I hear you saying, it sounds great. It sounds wonderful, but can I really be healthy existing in a space without stepping on the plastic sad box or the scale? Like, what do you say to someone in that instance where they maybe see the benefit, but they have really not ever known another definition or another pursuit of health. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the first, the first thing to do when people come to me and ask something like that is just to kind of acknowledge where they're coming from. Like it's really, really scary to stop dieting. It's really, really scary to give up all the beliefs that it's ever told us because as you say, like it's the water we swim in and it's really all we've ever known. Um, and let them know that as scary as it is, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to be questioning these things. Um, the second thing that I like to go through with them is that, well, yes, there is the research to show that you can be healthy at any size. Um, there's the research that shows weight isn't a good indicator of health. There's great research to show what, what is. So things like following particular habits, And then we talk about, well, I mean, what is health? Like we can talk about nutrition and exercise all we like, but how does a healthy mind come into this? How do healthy relationships come into this? So it's not just examining 
the habits that they have, but it's also how are their relationships with food, their body, um, as well as, I mean, how does food tie into their life? Because you know, there's a lot more to life than just food. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that statement there. As weird as it may be, like two people who have spent so many years out of their life studying food, like this is what you and I talk about. This is what we do. But we're also aware enough to know that food is important. Like, sure, our physical health is important, but it is not the only thing that matters. And the moment that that portion of our our mental and our physical wellness puzzles, I like to say, the moment that portion starts to grow and take over everything else because it becomes too large and it takes everything over is the moment that other dimensions of our health and our wellness suffer. Like you're talking about the relationships, um, your other behaviors, your emotional status, like all of these things. So One question that I have for you, um, and one other thing that I kind of tell clients along this line, like I love that you said, A, it's okay if you're feeling this way, like it is all we've ever known, it is kind of scary, Um, and B, here's the research why we don't have to believe those things, we don't have to live under the thumb of diet culture, and one thing that I always like to say too is let's untangle the idea that pursuing health or pursuing healthy behaviors has to be tied to looking a certain way. Because the reality of it is, and I say this myself, with a heck of a lot of thin privilege, I've always lived in a smaller body. That is just the matter of the fact. So I totally understand that I say this and I really say it from my own experience and only what I know to be true. But you and I both know The reality of the matter is, is that we are not in full control of how we show up physically in the world. 25% or less of how we show up physically is actually in our hands by what we eat and how we move our body, which is really kind of hard to hear because diet culture makes us believe eat the right things or maybe don't eat the wrong things and move your body a certain amount and you will look a certain way or you will be air quote healthy. But we know people in larger bodies can be totally healthy and people in smaller bodies can be very unhealthy and vice versa. So is that ever something that you kind of come across where in this conversation about untangling the conversation of weight equals health, like we have to be really more aware of we are not in full control of how we show up physically. Is that something you come across? Yeah, exactly. And it's all about, um, I suppose, as I said, being okay with the fear of giving up dieting, it's giving up that thin ideal that we've been taught. Because as you say, like we all have different genetics. Like there's people who are um, tall and solid, tall and skinny. There's people who are tall and larger. There's people who are short and larger or who are short and quite thin. Every single person shows up differently based on their genetics. We're all going to hold things differently and our bodies are all going to work differently to I suppose be as happy as they are and for different people that's going to mean different weights um so yeah it is a big process of i suppose grieving that thin ideal and letting go of the thought that well for me to live a happy life and be confident and all the other things that i'm searching for i have to look at a particular way because i mean as you know we can break down well what are those goals and if it's confidence for instance we can help people be confident without needing to change their weight without needing to manipulate their body we can help them be confident in who they are we can help them be confident and comfortable in the food they eat in the activities that they do just in how they feel in their body and that doesn't necessarily mean that their shape has to change Um, so yeah that is a really important conversation to have And I couldn't agree more with that. And actually, I was having a conversation with a client yesterday, and he brought a really cool quote to my attention. And I'm going to butcher it because I'm going to try to come up with it here on the spot. But the quote was something along the lines of, throughout my disordered eating behaviors or my restricting days, like restricting the nourishment and the food that I needed while trying to be in a smaller body or searching for that thin ideal, what I was really looking for was acceptance was confidence, was the ability to feel loved and taken care of. But the reality of it is I can find all of those things or I can work towards those behaviors to find confidence, to find acceptance in my relationships or acceptance with myself, regardless of what the arbitrary number says. So 
I agree with you. It is a grieving process and it really will depend on where the person has been and what types of kind of trauma with this conversation they've had in their life. But I agree. It's a super important conversation to have. So kind of switching the tone, not really, but briefly here, I wanted to bring up one conversation that you had in a recent Instagram post and I read it and I was like, yes, this needs to be heard because you know, like you can nod your head, say yes, because the audience can't see you if you agree that air quote intuitive eating or this movement is becoming trendy. It's becoming something that is talked about more often, which is great, which is really positive. But a lot of the times this message kind of gets construed into something that it is not. And it is simply another diet in disguise with like cuter and happier words and more gentle words. So the post I'm talking about, and maybe you know, because you're the person who wrote it, but for everybody who didn't know that post or maybe doesn't follow you, You were holding a chocolate bar and you were talking about a post that you had read recently where someone, I'm not sure if she was a dietitian, healthcare professional, whoever was saying, yeah, "Yeah, like chocolate's fine, you know, kind of this air quote, all foods fit mentality. But then it was followed up with the, but if you eat it super slowly and only have like one or two pieces, And you and I both know that like she started out really strong in this message and then it went kind of down like a sketchy diet rule path. So what I want to know from you, like anyone who is out there, maybe scrolling on social media, they're realizing that intuitive eating is this cool thing. How would you kind of warn them to not fall into what I call like the intuitive eating diet? Like what are some of the warning signs to look for? in content or in people they may be following. Yes. Um, I know exactly the place you're talking about. <laughs> now you um, remember. <laughs> I saw something like nearly identical to what that person said last night. And it's so frustrating every time. Um, yeah. So the things that people can look out for um, is if you read something back and you can feel as though there's a rule in there, then that's a big red flag. So if someone says, do this, but follow this rule, whether that's eat mindfully, whether that's do three turnarounds, whether that's do a star jump in between, um, if you feel like there's a rule, that's a big red flag because these rules are diet culture. Um, The second thing is if it's someone telling you what to do or what what to have, prescriptive nutrition is nine times out of 10, a really bad idea because this person, how can they possibly know from the outside? I mean, maybe from even across the world, what your hunger, what your cravings are telling you and what your body's telling you. So, I mean, if you're sitting there on an afternoon, you feel like some chocolate, um, but you read this post and someone's saying, um, this is how to eat it to avoid hunger. Like how do they know what your body needs? And if you follow that, like, are you going to be ravenous later? Are your cravings not going to be met? And that's going to maybe lead you to a binge. Um, so, I mean, definitely sounding for any rules. And I suppose B, if someone's being prescriptive with what they're telling you, either what to eat or how to eat it, then that's a big red flag as well. Um, the third one, yeah, a third one really, if it's not talking about how to do something um, with your hunger, or with your cravings and it's trying to kind of beat them, it's trying to trick them, then big red flag. How about you? What do you usually tell your clients to look out for? I say something along the lines of the first thing that you said. So if you read something and you read it back to yourself and you see any words that might be on like a rule board at school, like have to or should is a big one or um, under the condition of or with the except, you know, things like that where it's like do this thing that will probably be fun, but only do it under these conditions because we both know with intuitive eating, 
a big proponent or a big pillar of it is giving yourself the unconditional permission to have all foods around that you enjoy, that make you feel satisfied, that you want to have in your life and doing these things under condition saying, but, or if that's not unconditional permission, that's conditional permission. So getting kind of back to what you're writing in your post, I love that you said like mindful eating is a component of intuitive eating because it will let you be more in tune with how you feel, with how certain foods make you feel. But I often find that there's kind of this gray line between being mindful, like air quote, paying attention to your hunger and fullness cues, knowing how the food makes you feel, but also knowing that life happens sometimes. Sometimes you're not going to eat mindfully and that's okay as well. Whereas the flip side of the conversation or the diet rule kind of with mindful eating goes, well, if I don't take 50 bites or 50 chews of the food, if I'm not staring at the food intently for like an hour, like if I don't take 30 minutes to eat my meal, like the moment where an idea that comes from an intuitive eating perspective, like mindful eating starts to be construed into something that you have to like jump through 50 hoops to get to. That's where you kind of know that you've maybe crossed the line. You've gone a little bit too far and it's kind of getting back more into the hunger and the fullness diet realm or the intuitive eating diet realm rather than just being intuitive eating. Would you agree? Like, I feel like that happens a lot with mindful eating, especially. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's, as you say, it's diet culture bridging into something that's starting to get more attractive. Um, and they're taking pieces that look, it can be construed that way, but as we know, following that long term, it's not realistic at all. And if, if someone were to try eat everything mindfully, there's absolutely no way they could do it. Like everything would take 30 minutes and look, sometimes we just don't have 30 minutes to sit down and have or muesli bar for a snack Um, and then obviously when that happens people get more and more self-critical there's more blame and they're they're back on the exact same emotional roller coaster as they had when they were following a strict diet it's exactly the same thing Mm -hmm. yeah I find anything when you're getting into the intuitive eating realm any kind of idea or maybe idea that borders on a rule that gives someone the opportunity to self-shame or self-sabotage or be mean to themselves like they maybe used to act on a diet that's where I really have to say whoa what are we misinterpreting here what are we not understanding correctly or maybe what false information are we getting that is taking this intuitive eating message and construing it to something that really isn't helpful. So one, we'll have two final questions for you here as we kind of wrap up. But one question that I like to ask any dietitian, especially a fellow like-minded intuitive eating dietitian, is if anyone is maybe hearing about this intuitive eating message, because like we talked about, it's gaining momentum, it's becoming more popular. If anyone is hearing about it, but they maybe don't know if it's right for them just yet, because we know intuitive eating is right for everybody, but you have to be ready for it at the same time. What would you say to someone who is hearing these messages, but can't really decide if this is for them right now? Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Um, so what I would ask them to, to think about is, okay, well, what are the things that you're scared at with intuitive eating? And I'd say for, for a lot of people, it would be, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, letting go of the things that they've always known. It's letting go of, um, you know, weight loss. It's all we've ever known. It's really all that's ever made sense to us. As you say, we swim in diet culture. That's what we're taught. And just figure out, well, what are the fears that they have about intuitive eating? What don't they quite understand? Um, And then the second question that I would ask when they do figure out what is it they're scared of is, what are they gaining by not making the change? So what are they gaining by holding on to those fears and sticking with the weight loss route that they're going or the wellness diet, as mm-hmm. I like to call it. It's the diet with no name. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, just really ask themselves, how does this serve me? Like if I keep following these rules, is it making me miserable? Like we know that it does make a lot of people. Um, 
And is that something that I want to continue? So it's just figuring out, well, what are the fears? Does that serve me? And then asking yourself the simple question, well, do I want that to continue? And is it worth maybe learning a little bit more about this, just dipping my toe in and seeing how it feels? Um, that would definitely be my first advice to people thinking about intuitive eating. I love that. And I feel like addressing the fear component is so important because if you go into something and you really haven't addressed the fear, what might be holding you back, then it's going to come up at some point, right? So you might as well get very clear with what you do fear heading into it. And I also really love what you said about what are you missing out on or what are you gaining by staying in the same path that you've been in for X number of years of your life? Like something I always tell people, if you're here talking to me right now, we wouldn't be having this conversation if you were like super high on dieting, if you loved everything that it taught you, because you would still be doing that. So I love that advice that you have to give. And kind of as we wrap up here, I have one final question that I like to ask all of my guests so that we wrap up everything and we tie it with a pretty little bow on top. One thing that I am a huge proponent for with the intuitive eating message with gentle nutrition that gets wrapped into intuitive eating is patting ourselves on the back for the small successes and the small wins that we have along the way, rather than getting caught up in self-shaming or bashing ourselves for all that we haven't accomplished yet. So I call this living gently or living kindly with ourselves. So in your personal day-to-day life, what is maybe a practice or a behavior that you have that allows you to live a little bit more gently and kindly with yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, every night I sit down and I do a reflection of the day and there are always going to be things which uh, maybe I think I need to work on in the next day, but every single day I make the really strong effort to say what was good about today. What am I grateful for? Regardless of all the other stuff that might have gone on, what have I taken out of it that's going to make me a better person tonight, tomorrow? Um, So for me, just reflecting on life as it is currently and seeing what I'm grateful for, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I can tell people to practically give a go. I feel a lot of similarity to you in that. I have never been a journaler. I've never been like a written reflection person, but very recently our now fellow coach and our, our fellow mentor, Tony Stevan, he was like, Claire, you have to be more reflective on this journey, whether it's reflective of building the business, just living your life, the progress that you have made. So I've integrated similarly to you. Every night I call it my two-line journal. It's the one statement of gratitude, like what did go right today? What's one thing I can focus on that went positively? And then I also do an affirmation. So something that I need to hear or that I feel like will set me up for a better success the next day. So love that. Could we be more similar? I don't know. (laughs) Probably we you live in the same country, that would be a first step to be more similar. Yeah, but big, big step. Yeah, big step. Big, like over the ocean step. But um, I want to thank you so much for volunteering your time, for being one of the first fellow intuitive eating dietitians that I've had on a podcast. I definitely plan to have more, but I love what you do. I love this conversation. So for anyone who is listening who maybe doesn't follow you already on social media or isn't aware of what you have to offer, go ahead, plug yourself. Where can they find you? Where can they get more info? Yeah, great. Um, First of all, thanks so much for having me. It's great to talk with other intuitive dietitians. Absolutely. Um, and the best place that you can find me is definitely Instagram. Um, I'm doing lots of silly things on there regularly. So go check out Nathan Baldwin Nutrition. If you just search that, it'll come up. Um, and then, yeah, we can learn all the fun stuff together from there. I love it. Find him on the gram, just like you find me on the gram. And I, I have to admit, your posts are very informative. They're sometimes goofy, and I really do enjoy them. So anybody who's listening, if you haven't followed Nathan yet, go check him out. And his information will all be linked here in the show notes. So that's all we have for you today. Yours truly, Claire and Nathan. <laughs>